0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Shopstool podcast, a podcast for woodworkers and the maker community in general. This is episode number two. My name is Robin Lewis from RobinLewisMakes.com. I'm joined by Joey Chalk from King Post Timberworks and Jordan Crawford from Periodic Furniture Studio. We live stream the recording of this podcast every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time or UTC plus 10. Or you can watch or listen to it later on YouTube or SoundCloud. Uh, I want to say hello to everyone in the chat. We'll get to your comments as much as possible as we go. But feel free to chat amongst yourselves. The idea with this podcast is that this is a place for people to meet. So before we get into this week's this week's topic, um, let's do a quick rundown of what everyone's working on. So Joey, do you want to kick us off?
1: Sure. Uh, so I've been working on a cherry altar, uh, B- a Buddhist altar. So that is almost finished. I- half of it's finished i just finished the last coat of danish oil uh this morning and i just have a so it's like a it's very tall table pretty much and and underneath it there's a little cupboard that i've yet to finish that is on wheels and i guess they're going to keep like incense and things like that in it and um, so that's uh almost ready to go and the other more interesting thing for me is I'm just about finished my kitchen for my house. So that will be going in tomorrow morning. First thing in the morning, I'm going to load the van up, drive up the road, and get my kitchen finished off and a couple of odds and ends. So that is
0: cool. When you say, fini- say drive, like all the ca- carcasses made, yep. and you just, OK, yep.
1: right. We just finished uh, today. So um, I just need to throw them in the van, get, set them in place and uh, do a little bit of painting, and then we're just about ready to move in, so nice. that,
2: that is
0: good, yeah. Cool. George, how about you?
3: Uh, yeah, I've been doing a few things here, so I did a shop stool to kind of launch off the podcast and make the announcement on my channel, so that was just a really quick rush thing that I didn't really measure, but uh, it came <laughs> together nicely, and people were reacting really well, which is good. And uh, on top of that, I've got a client build on, which is an outdoor table. Uh, It's just being made out of black butt. And yeah, pretty simple slatted top, which is something a bit different for me. And everything else is basically on the back burner until I get these two out of the road.
0: Cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, For myself, I am working on that, which you can just see behind me there. That is a fruit bowl on its side. Um, I recently... Um, came into a whole lot of new uh, timber. And while I was transporting it over, a piece of the bark fell off. And I've always wanted to try this. So I just doused oh, right. the thing in epoxy. Yep. And then there's two pieces of jar on either side, which are just the feet and the end. So it's it's pretty right. simple. It's, it's, it's going to be in the video. Um, but I feel like the last couple projects that I've done have all been bigger projects than I'm used to. So I just kind of wanted a an easy win. Um, and then as well as that, I'm doing um i've just got them here in front of me they are these bottle openers that I sell on my website oh, yeah. with christmas coming up just getting a few of those um uh sort of in stock so that i can hopefully that, um, sell as many as possible that piece of bark so
1: you've poured epoxy over it what so what's the finish like just by pouring it over are you planning to sand it because i imagine it's a bit rough and kind of furry or is it come out pretty smooth
0: the, the actual chunks of the bark are pretty, they're pretty big chunks, so it's it's a pretty, I guess you'd say, solid, um, you know, the, the pieces are solid, so it's not, right. it's not furry. Um, right. But then at the same time, it's not particularly nice, the touch. But I guess, I, the, I guess the idea is that it's not, it's gonna be the underneath, so it's not really too much of an issue. But what I am gonna do is uh, do some kind of like a spray, uh, I'll probably use a matte finish just to knock that Shine down because it's it's really shiny and it looks it's super awesome. tacky. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks plastic. Was it yeah. a
3: West Systems resin or?
0: Yeah, which I yeah. found out the hard way. Um, you go through a lot of epoxy, yeah. and using yeah, West Systems an
3: expensive way of doing it. <laughs> probably not the way to do it.
0: Yeah, I think I must have used about ten pumps um, just for yeah. that. so So uh, you know, at the end of the day, as I say, I've always wanted to try it, so it was. Uh, more of an exercise in um, discovery. I probably won't yeah, do it again.
3: Interesting to see how it holds together. Like once it starts to dry or if it's fully locked in, it would be pretty interesting.
0: Yeah. That's exactly it. So my theory is that because of, you know, it's all coated now in resin, it shouldn't be too bad. Hopefully at least as it shrinks, it's going to shrink uniformly. <laughs> but who knows? This is this is actually going to be a Christmas present for family. So if it does fall apart, you know. You they might, call it you know, rustic, yeah. They, they can't. <laughs> kind just <laughs> disown me i've got but the ye- same uh,
1: i've got the same kind of concerns for my bath you know like we've, we've yeah. used it a few yeah. times now and um everything's all good but it's like
3: who knows was what's going to happen was yeah. that cedar for, or Western yeah i used cedar yeah. um at least it's somewhat yeah r- it's repelling and it's kind of
1: stable like i, I think i picked cedar because it's so stable it was, yeah stable as I think it would, it, I could get given all the crazy angles I was going to cut. Mm. But in hindsight, I would go back and use the hardest wood I could find, probably maple or something. So yeah, it makes it yeah. easier to shape. Um, yeah, shaping
3: would be hard. But polonia or something so hard. What was that? Polonia would be a good little choice. because What is that? It's a really light hardwood. It's one of the lightest woods huh. there are. Um, but it's, it's used a lot in boat building because it's actually resistant to water and it doesn't wick it up like huh. Western red cedar does.
1: But yeah, Cedar's... harder to work. Yeah, right. Mm. Yeah, cedar was easy to shape, but when I yeah. had the epoxy, like it wouldn't grind away as quickly. So I'm um, having these issues of getting big scallops next to the
0: epoxy and uh, yeah, uh, right. really issueous <laughs> So tonight, uh, we're going to be discussing something, a topic that Joey mentioned, and um, he's going to have a pretty cool story for it in a second. But um, we're basically talking about timber and, and how it operates and how you how you know, the sort of the precautions that you need to take when using it outside. And one of the main reasons we want to talk about this is the fact that down here in our corner, there's some pretty intense sun. I've I've lived in London for a few years, and, and I can tell you <laughs> straight up the people in Europe don't know what's sun damage is when it comes to timber um, so so yeah so we, we sort of want to discuss what you know what precautions you need to take and um what this extreme uv does to timber so uh, I'll, I'll hand over to you Joey, just to start yeah. off with the, the story well, that story
1: well it's good that you were just talking about that so maybe i'll talk about the uv first because i've done a little bit of research no. i will refer to my notes here um, so we have 40% higher UV than the same latitude in the Northern Hemisphere, which seems pretty outrageous. There I wouldn't three... have thought it was that far. Jeez, yeah. that's intense. So there's, there's three main reasons. That is the Earth is an elliptical orbit, and we're kind of tilted as we're orbiting the sun. And so in our summertime, the, uh, we are much closer to the sun than the Northern Hemisphere is during their summer. So we're right. just physically closer, yeah. so we're hotter. Um, second reason is we've got just about no air pollution, so there's nothing to stop down the stop the UV coming through. Um, third reason is that the ozone layer gets a lot thinner in summer around Antarctica, and so it thins out the whole ozone area around, especially around uh, heading out towards New Zealand. Um, so, the ozone layer gets thicker during winter and then thinner in summer. Just a cycle that it does. Now,
0: isn't isn't the ozone layer back in the nineties when that hole was created? Wasn't that around here as well?
1: Yeah. So everyone thought there was. Oh my God! There's a hole. Um, You know, we've stuffed the planet up. Later, they realised that it's actually a big cycle, and the hole is always there to a certain degree. But it then it expands and oh. contracts and it's kind of like the planet breathing essentially in a really yeah, layman's right. way of talking about it. Um, so that is uh, reason and a couple of other fun facts about how crazy our sun is. Um, there is a UV index, international UV index, with 10 being a, considered extremely high UV. So in the Mediterranean in the middle of summer, they will have a nine or a 10 couple of times a year and in Florida and the states they will get a 12 a couple of times a year and here in the northern half of New Zealand we will get a 14 pretty much every day in summer so
0: we yeah well, we're, we're up to in Queensland we're 13 or 14 already and it's yep. not even the middle of summer yeah
1: yep and I think Robin last week when we were chatting or the other day you mentioned that you were in the sun cancer, cancer capital, capital of, of uh, australia yep well I'll, i will trump you and say that we are the skin cancer capital of the world so the <laughs> now yeah, that amazes that me my
0: my view of new zealand when i think of new zealand i think of lord of the rings like yeah. the rolling green hills it's real nice and cool and and temperate i do not see new zealand as being that harsh just just wear sunblock when you go
3: oh you know
1: there's a big actually there's funny you say that there's a big thing in the news at the moment where all their sunblocks are not as strong as they are rated for so someone's getting in (laughs) trouble for that oh wow
2: yeah
1: (laughs) yeah uh so with that in mind how crazy our sun is um the other day about a week ago i was emailed a few pictures of an outdoor dining set from a client who wanted me to restore it um So i got these pictures through and everything screamed terrible about this table you guys have seen the pictures yeah it's Um, pretty rough this guy had i don't even i don't know if i can describe it so i will but i will say that this table was never going to last outside Mm -hmm. let alone inside i mean it's just so badly constructed with big cantilevers and um steel brackets stopping the timber from being able to move and it's just so sanding it back and putting a new clear coat on the top was not the problem <laughs> it was the whole <laughs> the whole thing was the problem so um what do we want to talk about first i guess um we should talk about finishes
0: um well i know you i know you also wanted to talk about the timbers as well, well touch, okay yeah i'm not
1: sure where to start Which, with.
0: I was just going to so say I'm, I'm very interested to hear because I don't right. know, I don't have very much knowledge on this. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I'll go through my list. This
3: could be a good one to start with.
0: Okay. You want to go through? Okay. I did a little bit of research on this
1: because brushed up myself as well. Um, <laughs> let's see. I've got my finishing page here. So, there is a product called Sickens. S-I-K-K-E-N-S. Um, they are a specialty outdoor and to a certain degree indoor timber finishing uh product they've got um it's a stain they've got nine colors and they have really heavily added uv uh, blockers in it yeah so the stuff's designed to stop the sun doing what it does Um, that being said it still peels off the side of buildings i've seen it so um good stuff but you've got to do the upkeep on it
3: um, yeah, maintenance is crazy on it. That's what I've used on my veranda and patio. Yeah, and that—that's just made out of treated pine, and it's doing a great job considering it's pine. Mm. But every year I have to go go in, sand off, and reapply some areas and stuff. So it's good, but not.
1: An yeah, I was having a everything. read. I was having a read through their kind of care instructions and application instructions, and that alone is about four pages of what not to do. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so you know you really i don't think in many people would ever have the perfect conditions for applying the product the way that it should be so kind of they write themselves out of a warranty i guess but um mm-hmm. um what was i going to say um so the the good thing about that stuff uh, is one of their products is called Cetol blx pro it's a new one it's water-based And that is breathable. Um, And and they say it will expand and contract with the timber, which is interesting for a film finish. Um, So it's not just going to be like a glass encased piece of timber that's not going to do anything.
3: Yeah, that's... That actually plays into one of the notes that I kind of took down here, and that is that wood moves a lot more when it's outside than Mm. when it's inside, so the finish that you do choose has to be able to accommodate that, so a lot of people that apply a film finish will come back in a year or two, and they'll have it flaking off, Yep, and that's because a lot of these outdoor finishes still aren't designed for the extreme movement that you get outside. That's right. It's more about... If it's a project that's sitting outside, undercover, and sheltered, that's mm. a different story. But if it's a full outdoor, exposed to the wind and and seasons, most film finishes fail.
1: Yeah, they actually go on to say that, even talking about other finishes, they uh, the Sicken's brochure I was reading or article really, um, it was saying that you should maintain your pieces before you see any damage. So once you see some edge damage or flaking, it's, it's actually too late to yeah. fix it up to a point where it's going to be blemish free. Um, so it's interesting that even they're saying, look, just, just keep putting the product on because otherwise you're, you're kind of stuffed.
0: Um, um, do they, do they give, I don't know if you mentioned this before, do they give a, a, a time when they're in a perfect condition in a perfect uh, application?
1: They say their stain, or they say in general, stains should be um, applied every 18 months, which I thought was... um, That seems pretty excessive, isn't it? It seems fairly long, because I was going to say, in my experience, like every six months, if you don't want to see damage.
0: And now when you say stain, are we talking about a stain or a finish? Stain varnish thing. Well, stain finish, stain stain
1: oil. (laughs) Because my next uh, kind of product I was going to say would, on the front of my workshop, I've got cedar, vertical cedar boards, and I used a decking oil. um, And I've had to apply that. When I first did it, I applied it every three months to try and keep it from fading because it gets direct sun in the morning. um, And I've kind of slacked off on it. But... I, I could see the deterioration over three months. So, um, and at the moment, it's probably had nearly four liters of oil on like a three-meter-wide door. Um, and it <laughs> just seems like such a waste. You're
0: literally putting on, and it's just a, it's just, it a, just a goes in air. Yeah, yeah just
1: kills the timber. So, um, what do you think uh, about teak oil, um, Jordan?
3: Yeah, teak oil is a Got a bit of tongue oil, tongue oil in it too, doesn't it? Usually.
1: Yeah, it's tongue oil and linseed and varnish.
3: Yeah, tin down. Yeah. I've used it a few times on tables that I've kind of let's say stripped off and reapplied um, a new finish to, and I haven't really been more sold on it than anything. But it, it's a good product because it has got the the varnish in it. It will harden up a little bit, and it will do a little bit more protection than just pure linseed oil. Yeah, it's similar to a Danish oil in that respect. But
1: yeah, as far as I know, the only difference between Danish oil and teak oil is the amount of thinners in teak oil is a lot more because it yeah. and. Maybe some people don't know why teak oil is called teak oil. I used to think that it was somehow pressed out of a teak tree, and they <laughs> would, like, <laughs> like that was like have oil. Seemed. Yeah, that, but it's actually made for teak because teak is very oily and it's notoriously hard to finish.
3: Yeah, it's super ah. thin, so sort it of wick in.
1: Yeah, and so oh, they make a very thinner-based uh, product that allow that actually kind of eats away the natural waxes very quickly and lets the um, the the um, the hardeners in the oil get into and actually penetrate before the uh the natural oils kind of push it away mm. um, and generally so because it has the, the way it's made it actually ends up with a glossier finish so when i'm talking to a client i will say if you want a natural natural oil finish danish oil is semi-gloss and teak oil is gloss and you can yeah, kind right. of talk to them about it that way and essentially have the same finish um so, yeah, that's um, actually, I saw on Osmo's website that they do a spray can of teak oil. If you're, if you're doing like back cheers or something that you can't get into, um, apparently yeah. you can spray on your teak oil. Uh, it looks a bit gimmicky to me, but if uh, you only got one cheer to do, I suppose you could use it.
3: I think the last thing I used oil on, I ended up putting it in one of my HVLT guns and spraying it because I got <laughs> so sick of it. And then I would walk could you around my it? workshop. And I'd be slipping all over the place <laughs> with all that air. <laughs> and I learned I the hard way not to ever spray oil.
1: I was going to say, how did you clean your
3: gun? Oh, it was one of my junk ones. Oh, it, just, right. it sits there and it's forever now, the oil gun, which was not a good idea.
1: Right. Because um, now, Robin, you just finished the barbecue cat. Yeah. What, what have you decided? Or have you put anything on that?
0: Well, I was I was just about to say, and this ties into what you're saying about the chair with hard to reach places. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even bother putting on a film finish in no. those hard to reach places no. because I guess when it's now I don't I don't have a whole bunch of experience with outdoor furniture, but if the if the wood degrades, that kind of looks okay. But as soon as that film degrades, it's just it's awful. It's that's it's, that's so true. You know, so if, um, so on the on the top that I used um, a bit of polyurethane. I think it was about 25% polyurethane in a linseed oil terps mix. So there's a tiny bit of a film but the rest of the stuff underneath yeah, that you've just got to do oil. Hmm.
3: Interesting, interesting. Because um, the other thing which is an interesting note, especially here in Australia where we have a lot of eucalyptus uh, based woods, based, most of them right. is that we have woods with a he- like a huge amount of tannins in it. Way more than mm. anywhere else. I mean, all wood has tannins. But when you start getting a film finish on the outdoor furniture and it's it started to kind of crack through and it gets wet, then your table starts to get stained with this dark
1: discoloration
3: mm. which you just, it's impossible to get rid of. Yes. Yeah, that... Another reason I don't like suggesting film finishes mm. because the upkeep, if it's not performed, which no one will do for the first, yep. you know, after yeah. the first year. Yeah it's just too
1: much yeah i agree um i even with dining tables i've just got a dining table job and they they said we want something that we can upkeep without having to take it back to you to sand off and um, refinish so i'm doing danish oil just because they can scuff it back with 400 grit get a rag wipe on danish oil
3: go over it brand new
1: and one day it's brand new again so
0: Unless, of course, you've got like I, I, I was supposed to mention this with the the barbecue card. If it's in a position where it's easy to get to, or like in this case, you can actually just remove the whole top quite easily, then I think it's a different story, but it's it's those real when you're going through slats of chairs and stuff like that, you you can never really, and as as you say, no one ever wants to anyway. so that's right. yeah.
1: Everyone has the best intention, but as soon as they realize how much work after the first 10 minutes of sanding, they're like, ah, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs>
3: That's why I have so many machines that do it for me. Yeah. Okay. The yeah. sanding is just so overrated. <laughs> yeah.
0: So with that, I'm quite interested. Um, unless, Joey, do you have any more?
1: Uh,
0: what was I going to say? Um, I had something. Oh, I've finish. lost it. No, nope. so
3: I've, I've got one thing which is related to what i do and that is epoxies because mm. i i do those hollow core surfboards and laminations of paddles and stuff mm. and there's epoxies out there which will say they're uv stable but the truth yeah. is there's no such thing as a uv stable epoxy it's just it's got a few inhibitors but it's yeah. impossible so often you can get away with using a non uv stable product if you go over it with a marine-grade varnish, which has got UV inhibitors or things like that, and that that's actually used a lot in the wooden surfboard realm. They'll go an epoxy over over the actual board and for its fiberglassing, but then they'll have to apply a marine varnish. But does on that, top of the epoxy.
1: does that really uh, stuff up repairs? Because it, because I you mean, can re- presumably you can repair epoxy, and, and it will stick to itself. But then if you've got this varnish somewhere over it, you just sand it back. You'll you'll have to
3: sand it back because on a repair, if you're going to do it right, you're not just going to fill the hole with a bit of resin. You'll want to apply a bit of cloth over it and stuff. So you'll sand back the area, do your repair, and then feather it in and then do a few coats over it. But, you know, wooden surfboards aren't as easy to repair as a conventional surfboard anyway. So it's only a little bit of extra work.
0: Talking about um, that marine, is it spa spa varnish?
3: Is that spa varnish? Yeah, that's that's a version of
0: it. I've seen a lot of the the Americans use that. Is that something that is used quite frequently here in Australia, New Zealand?
3: If you go to any boat supply, like here we have Yacht Bro, you know they've got shelves and shelves of Mm. of this sort of varnish. It's just specialized.
0: I've and used- and does, it, does it work like it? I mean, is it a lot hardier than a normal exterior-grade vinyl? Oh,
3: it is a lot more durable for sure because it's out getting elements from reflective from the water as well and sun and all everything, um, but it comes with a price tag.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's- I've used Spar a few times and, and what – I'm trying to think of the brand's um, – there's a couple of other brands that say they're marine grade and you you have to go to a specialty shop for it um and apart from a two pot version i've i've found a a single pot spa marine grade varnish that actually does what it says it does like i've I've seen it break down just as quickly as um a regular cheap polyurethane as well Mm. um whether or not that's my finishing problem i'm not sure but
3: yeah, I guess it comes down to a lot of the product development as well. Yeah, and it, the temperature could be developed day.
1: anything. Yeah. It could
3: be developed for an American market that's sold over here, that's and then right. it's not prepared for our massive our UV climate. index. Yeah.
1: That's right. Yeah. Yes. Interesting stuff.
0: I think ultimately nothing lasts forever, and that's just the way it's going to be. We've <laughs> still got to accept that we've got to keep our scars on hand.
3: I just think we should
0: oil shit. Oil stuff that's outside and not worry about film finishes. So, yeah. a, a while ago, uh, George, you put out a video. I can't remember which one it was, but I, I commented on the video. You used boiled linseed oil on it. And it was a table, and I was surprised that you'd use linseed oil on an yeah. internal table. I tried that not too long ago, um, and it's a met you like I didn't realize the sheen that you could get. Oh,
3: you I can get a beautiful it. finish on it. Mm-hmm. You yeah. just have to be willing to put up with the smell for a while.
0: In the dry time, huh? Yeah yeah that's that's the other one but yeah i was i was really surprised it's kind of changed my outlook on oils a little bit because i've always seen them as a that's what you put on cricket bats you don't you know right. you don't finish, finish yeah, right. bats. you know you, there's always got to be some kind of a some kind of a polyurethane or something in there but I yeah
2: think there's
1: that for danish oil um i think i get that feeling from some of the american video makers and stuff that danish oil is like just for the beginner because you can just wipe it on and it's finished um, but I can get a glass smooth, uh, full gloss sheen from Danish oil, oil or teak oil. And it, and it oh. looks like I've sprayed it. It feels yeah. like it's being sprayed. Um, the trick is just to, well, my trick for Danish oil is I do two coats on the first day without anything in between. And once I can start feeling some grain being raised and um, it's a bit rough, I block it back with 400, do another coat. Lock it back again with 400 grit. Lock it back again with a thousand grit. And after that thousand grit sanding, I just put just enough Danish oil on my rag to just dampen the surface and get that sheen back, but not enough to puddle anything. And really just buffing it, buffing it, yeah. kind of glossy and that's that's it. Done.
3: Do you find that you have to like lubricate sand? So wet sand? No, I've never it I've
1: never done that with. Um, every
3: time i've tried to do it with oil it just gums up too quickly
1: <coughs> We're but it sanding could
3: be the oil amu- yeah. i'm using
1: uh yes but i do find you've got to let it dry hard like I'll, I'll do a coat and if i want to sand that coat of oil i've really got to wait a full day for it to cure um yeah, so right. i would say mild temperature range would be the similar if it was colder yeah you're probably waiting a couple of days for it to actually cure and even then sometimes it gums up my my theory is as soon as it if i start sanding and it starts to gum i will just stop and it just, yeah it's just not dry enough it's got to be hard enough to sand so
0: interesting yeah all right what do you use timber-wise? well this is well, this is the bit that i'm really interested to hear from <laughs> you guys cuz all i've ever used outdoors is treated pine and i used oregon uh, oregon pine yeah, once those are the only two that i've ever yeah. used outdoor.
3: yeah i mean I think you can use anything you want, it's just how long you want it to last. So obviously you're not going to use a wood that is you know, damp, prone to falling apart if you want it to last for a long while. So here my number one choice is either going to be Jarrah because it's just resilient as all hell. It, it won't get attacked by insects, it's got really strong and dense grain to it, it doesn't fall apart in the sun.
0: I have a story for you about Jared, but we'll get to that in a sec. It does get attacked by insects. My house nearly fell down, but anyway. Well,
3: it can, but it's <laughs> less uh, prone to it. Just put a little bit of pie next to it, it'll be fun. Um, <laughs> spotted gum is another good one. And okay. the thing that's really nice about spotted gum is that the tannin content is a lot less than most <laughs> eucalypts, in that. So you will get less staining and all of that. Um, but
1: the only way. You can't. The only way I can get spotted gum, as far as I know, is to buy it in 65 by 65
3: uh, kind of posts yeah, that yeah. they
1: use for um, power pole crossings. Oh, yeah. yeah. And there's no other like flat sawn pieces here, as far as I know.
3: I'll send you some. Just uh, yeah, yeah. be on a shipping a yeah. <laughs> Um But obviously, the reason people love teak and those sorts mm. of things are outdoor furniture is because it has a really high wax and resin content built into the wood. So yeah. it's naturally protected against a lot of the decay that other woods will find.
0: And right, so that, that, that resin and that oil, is that's part of the preservation of the timber, so that helps yeah, it.
3: Ex- exactly, that's why it's right, okay. so much in, in boats as well because it just loves to yeah, it, repel water.
1: The, the real deal teak, from burma is um something to do with their soil picking up uh silica out of the out of the ground and that silica you know is what we get silicon from and that um, gets into the timber and kind of waterproofs it from the inside out but it does make the timber pretty hard to machine well not hard it's not hard to machine but it's blunt it just
3: dulls your blades yeah with the silicon yeah. yeah it's like cutting through sand
1: yeah that's the one but- and same with so my choice would be iroko because uh, most people can't afford um, most people yeah can't afford teak because it is just outrageously priced. Um, have you worked with iroko? Um,
3: I, I've never heard of it. It might have okay. a different name.
1: It's an African, um, and sometimes it's called poor man's teak, where it's essentially the same timber to work with, um, Love it. but it's a lot cheaper. It's probably half the price. Yeah, and um, it's the same waxy kind of sandpapery, gritty kind of timber. Um, it's a lot more unstable than teak, right. uh, and so like if I can, if you can ever avoid it, never rip a piece of iroko in half. Like try and get pieces that are almost the size you want. It, Otherwise it reacts. If you rip it in half, yeah. just it bananas like you wouldn't believe. And um, you'll have you you'll waste the whole stick just by planing it flat again. You'll just never get your dimension out of it. Um I learned that the hard way. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've
3: I've learned the hard way many a time.
0: Yes. Um, so Pally's
3: one, Before you guys sorry, move yes,
0: on, so I, just, I just wanted to ask quickly about the um high silica count. Yeah. I believe um paperbark george you might know paperback yeah, is it. the same deal
3: yeah yeah a lot of a lot of the kind of swampy trees around here mm. tend to have a fair bit um i couldn't tell you any names off the top of my head but paperback paper does ring a bell
1: is it milled it or is it just kind of chopped as windfall or,
2: or
3: um well i think over east it's more pop like more ready or more available i should say Yeah, we got heaps so of it does that. get milled a lot but it is considered firewood by most people. Like if it's on your farm, you'll cut it down for firewood.
0: I've just got a big chunk of it outside as part of that, that wood that I've got. Um, and I was worried that when I take it to the sawmill, the guy's going to look at it and say, not a chance. I'm not putting my blade near that. Is it that bad or am I expecting too much of that? It? It's, it's not going to be like going through a rock.
3: The No, it's not that bad. I mean, <clears throat> you just have to, keep your tools sharp and once you start realizing that you're not getting very good results so whether you're planing it or you know chopping mortises by hand just go back and sharpen your tools
2: right it's yes. it's not
3: impossible to work it's just it will dull your tools a lot faster than mm. most so yeah
1: probably yeah. i i find like milling teak i would say um my like, I'd have to re like I say, if I was hand planning teak, I would have to resharpen twice as much as I usually would.
3: Yeah, I think people that use a lot of teak have special actual blades as well. Like it's yeah. got different grinds on it. And
1: yeah, I say you, you could angles, probably but... increase. Your, no, you'd probably decrease your grind angle. You'd probably go down to like twenty five degrees or something, and you'd get a slightly longer cut life not necessarily as clean. Yeah, mm, the finish might deteriorate
3: yeah. or whatever.
2: That'd
1: be interesting to think about.
3: But yeah. I mean the other really good option, which is what you've used, Rob, is treated pine. I mean it's mm. not gonna be pretty as a lot mm. of our hardwoods, but it's cheap, it's easy to get to. Um or uh Miranti, is it or oh, yeah. no, maybe's okay for outdoor. No. Yeah, Merbau is also really good used in decking.
1: Yeah, um, and I was going to say some decking timbers, Quillera, Vitex.
3: Yeah, but really, I think it comes down to where you, where your piece is going to be. Mm. If it's full sun, you're not going to have much luck with any wood. It's mm. going to going to grey no matter what. But if it's sheltered and out of the wind and all that sort of stuff, you can use almost anything. I was going to say. It
1: uh when you were mentioning pine uh, uh slightly going back to the finishing that if you're using uh losp l-o-s-p treated pine which is a a kind of treatment losp treatment is essentially where they um inject a series of white spirit chemicals um right. and there's various types of those chemicals i i looked it up but they're too hard they're long to say and um, there's too many of them um but essentially what that is is like your wet treated treated pine so it's the stuff that you might build your fence out of or something if you go to the timber yard and it leave it outside and it's so sopping wet when you pick it up right. uh, some people will build their like a picnic table or something out of that which is perfectly fine it's not going to rot but if you intend to stain it or finish it in, in any way um, it's recommended that you actually leave it for up to 12 weeks um, strip stacked to it's let to
3: dry out a bit more well yeah actually
1: the chemicals have got to evaporate Oh, right. yes so yes. it has
3: to flash off
1: yeah the water is and going to be present because they inject it diluted with water but um yeah those chemicals will definitely react with any stained pigments and stuff that go on there um so i guess you could build your di- your picnic table wet uh, and let it dry off naturally uh, for
0: a month or two and then stain it um but well, now the, the deck that I built in my old house in Adelaide, uh when I was building that, I heard this story from so many people, but my next door neighbor, Chippy, he said, No, don't worry about it, just just put the stain on. Now we were use I was using a um one of these decking stains, the water-based ones, which is almost it's it's basically like a thinned down paint. It's not a, a stained stain. So that goes on and you know, I, I must the timber must have been, well, I mean, I got it from the mill, I mean, I don't know how long it was sitting at the at the lumber yard, um, but I got it built the the deck all within a week and, and stained it and looked fine. But it, as I say, it wasn't a, a traditional, you know, stain that actually penetrates the wood it was one of these. I've actually got a tin of it Yeah, It's these. Oh, yeah, I know those things, yeah. you know, and, and these are obviously the, the the cheap and nasty ones, but. You know, if you're going to be refinishing a deck every six months to a year, that that's what you use. Yep, yep. Um, but yeah, I heard the story as well. But in my experience, didn't really make too much of a difference. Was the timber r- really wet? It wasn't hugely wet, um, but after about six months in the in the sun, mm. you know, the the gaps had gone from I think I started with about two mil, it opened up to about five. Right. Yeah. So it had shrunk a bit. But then, yeah. having said that. In Adelaide, they have... So in Adelaide, it's, it's hot, dry summers and then cold, wet or humid, wet winters. So it's, it's the two polar opposites. So back in winter, they were almost touching again. So, so you know, it was moving that much.
3: Might have been like a H3 treated or... Oh, so I guess I guess that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, so that, so that's what it sounds
1: like. There's three types of treatment. So you've got boron treatment, which is the, what your pine uh, house studs would be... Um, uh, treated to, and it's generally H one point two, and then you've got either CCA treatment or boron. Oh, sorry, or LOSP. So we just talked about the LOSP, which is the white spirits injecting into it. The CCA is also uh, an H H3, three H three point two treatment, but it's a dry. So often that will come out as KD kiln dried uh, off the shelf mm. as H three point two and it's a copper chromate something rather um and that so that would take a finish straight away and generally is pretty dry even if they kept it outside that must be the to... same one then yeah, yeah i'm so pretty it sure it
0: was h3 yeah
1: so on the ends of your sticks of lumber they'll have uh, either losp stamped in or cca um and then you, so you can kind of tell which is which
2: hmm.
3: Or you just get it use it and then hope for the bath. yeah 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 <laughs> And then, never. I mean, never read I me, I've never done
0: that. But. <laughs> <laughs> that um, that deck that I built was such a pain because I think I think Adelaide is a, the weather in Adelaide is just it's just awful from that perspective because as I say, it's forty degrees and five percent humidity in the summer, and then you're down to fifteen degrees and ninety percent humidity with constant rain in the winter, yeah. Yeah. and I had this. I went for a, a boardwalk, I think that's what they call it boardwalk style deck, where it had a, a big 120 mil piece uh, wrapping around it. So sort of right. the deck boards busted into it you know, and um, at that mitre, it would I, I swear it was like a 10 mil gap, depending yeah. on the season. And so I managed to get some because there was nothing I could do the, the mitre just opened and closed. I tried um, screwing it in and, and plugging the gaps and it just it, it eventually stopped opening like this and just started opening like this.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so I got some um gap filler tinted at <laughs> the same color tried that and that just, re- just tear it was the last time I ever tried to do something like that because it was just so much movement and I just always attributed that to the fact that it was pine.
3: Yeah. I mean, I've had this yeah. idea in my head to kind of fill those joints with a cork strip mm.
0: so you know it yeah. would.
3: It would expand a little bit and compress a little bit, and it'll keep those gaps. I've never tried it, but definitely.
1: I mean, I've got a pine <clears throat> deck at the moment. It's only two years old, and the, I've got almost twenty mil gap between some of my pieces, and it shrunk on the length up to fifteen mil. Some of them on the length. Yeah, it's wow. just the sun has just sucked the life out of this timber, so um it's just. And I think part of the problem is, too, is if you buy the really wet decking, like the lost, treated decking, it's so wet and it's massive. It's all swollen up. Um, you can't, even if you lay the decking boards tight together, they're going to shrink some and you're going to get big gaps, let alone when it's so wet, like a sponge, and it, it shrinks down almost a third of its size. By um, the time you
3: finish screwing in that plank.
1: Yeah, yeah you, you give it six months in the sun and it's like half the size of it was before. So.
0: Yeah, well, this I went into decking with the idea of this is my first deck, I'm going to go the cheap option, I'm not going to spend, you know, thousands of dollars as an as a newbie trying to put in a deck. Um, and everything that I'd read had said, if you put in pine, that's fine, just be expected, you know, to to go the maintenance route, because yeah. you that that's part of part of using pine. And so I was totally okay with it. But having now actually done it, all those guys that I was reading in the forum saying they'll never use pine again—I'm now one of those guys. It's going to be it's going to be merbu mer- or mobile, how we say it, or, um, or or more expensive because yeah, it has to be stable.
3: I must be the only one that's had luck with pine I've done two well, one, one fully exposed deck outside, and it, it's great. I mean, it's great a lot, which I like the look of. It's what I went for, but it hasn't moved around. It's just kind of how i did it three years ago oh, that's nice <laughs> so uh suck it <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey uh jordan your what, what timber are you using for the table at the moment
3: uh the one i'm doing is black butt. so it's um m- mostly a budget thing but it is a good timber for outdoors it's quite resinous and it has good uh, treatment
1: so are you doing anything fancy as or um, yeah. Have you considered the joinery? Or how how things are going? I,
3: I have. Yeah. So that's a point that I've bought is the construction considerations mm. and that mainly the big thing that I'm worried about is water traps. Um yeah. So there's no exposed screw heads, which is countersunk because that's where water will sit and seep okay. into. Um, the only bad thing that I have had to do is I've had to because it's a framed top, it's a lighted frame, and then slats in the middle, I've made it so that the frame is rebated and the slats sit down on top. So there is okay. a shelf for water to collect, right. but I know that this is going undercover, mm. so it's not concerning me too much.
1: I have thought in that case, I've done similar things, and I, I considered making that shelf on like a, a three-degree angle or something.
3: Yeah, I know, so much work to,
2: to do it. Like,
3: the the biggest concern I have about this table is those miters. There's right, a mitered table. I mean, it's pretty dense and stable wood, but I just have a feeling those miters will open up. Ever so you slightly. need to get
1: into your Japanese joinery and do like a mitered half lap. Yeah. yeah. Think
0: well, thing. surely if you just use uh, quite a few splines on each miter, that should surely stop it. or do you think?
3: I mean, I've gone. I've gone long tannins. I mean, not super long. It's only 90 mil wide apron. So oh, right, right, okay. You know, it's not
0: massive, but I've gone long
3: tannins for it, and I'll be epoxying those in, um, and then using a polyurethane glue for the rest of it. Right. So it's gonna be pretty damn held together yeah. by joinery, but it can, it's still always there. I mean, it's gonna mm. move a little bit, so.
1: Yeah, I'm actually, I'm. I'm at some point, I'll be building a, an outdoor table and probably hope, hopefully some chairs for the new house. Um, and I'm thinking, I've been, racking my brain about how where to keep it, just because it is so exposed. I've got nowhere to put it. It's just going to be outside on the deck. Mm. Uh, I actually think I will, get a custom, um, canvas cover. To sit to keep over it. to keep over it and that way i can actually keep it looking like wood instead of like a silver beast um,
3: <laughs> see i i refinished a long slab. it would have been like uh thinking back to it maybe three to three and a half meters long uh just a single slab and it was the worst it was even worse than the table that you're having to refinish now joey <laughs> um like just worst construction i've seen but i had to refinish it for them it's what they wanted and this thing was twisted to probably about 150 mil out from port, <laughs> low point to low point. Oh, so I just told them I'll, I can sand it back, but I can't do much about a twist. Yeah. But this thing was obviously the prize piece of their collection because they had a long canvas, you know, like a boat cover. Right. Custom made to the shape of the slab that they kept it, over. It and it, it still, still well, didn't do anything for it.
1: It protected it from getting gr- silver. Yeah. But i think that's what i'm getting at is in, in terms of like the whole finishing thing just cover it up and take the cover mm. off when you want to use it and you see this pretty thing and you only only see it for an hour a day or whatever but
0: yeah, yeah. i mean it might be worth doing hmm just before we move on um darren's asked about purple heart now i know we've talked about mm. purple heart in the past i don't know very much about it so i'm quite interested is that an exterior wood would yeah. you use that exter- externally
1: It is, as far as I know, it's the second hardest timber out there. Um, It's used for building docks and piers and, like, they drive it into the floor of the ocean. So it's not going anywhere. Um, Is it stable? In my experience, yes. As a furniture maker, as I've seen... Here, they sell it as decking. And... um, it moves like you wouldn't believe. It cups. They they try and sell the wide boards here, like 140 by. Well, they were selling 140 by 20, and then trying to they put grooves on the back to try and stop it cupping. Um, and then they they went to saying, oh, you should put three screws in it instead of two to try and keep it flat. And, it's, and then it just splits. Um, and so then they went and they'll sell decking as 140 by 40 now. And then you just like spending a small fortune on purple
0: heart and then That's everyone, good though, that they make it that size i think because well, you yeah. haven't heard of that here in australia it's everything's 20 or 22.
1: yeah well even vitex here because of the same problem <coughs> vitex and quilla <laughs> you get 140 by 40 or <laughs> 38 or something like that um just because it, yeah
3: we got 38 yeah. in some species okay yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah i've never by. seen it yeah i mean it's so, not in bunnings usually it's in actual direct wholesalers or I wouldn't. Places.
1: I personally wouldn't go down the route of purple heart for a deck, unless you are going to keep it purple, which is just about impossible, because it it's it's like uh, what else does it? Mm, I'm not sure. If, no. Uh, so purple heart is like sun reactive. So when you first cut it, it's like brown. It's pretty ugly looking. Put it in the sun for 20 minutes, and it goes bright purple, and um, the longer it's in the Sun the darker and richer the purple gets or as long as it's in light if you leave it in direct sunlight It's just going to turn silver within probably a month uh, um, So it's kind of what's the point if you're paying all that money geez, for that's technical
0: like, Yeah, I I'm just as a, as a rookie like wood is right. wood like that is a brown piece of wood It will always be a brown piece of wood yep. It sounds yeah like it like
1: oxidizes and, and, and i don't think the words oxid oxidized uh oxiz, oxidization but um, but uh it's whatever it is photoreactive or whatever from the sun so hmm. interesting stuff yeah.
3: yeah, I've never worked with it but
1: it's it's really hard like you, yeah. i i could do like two passes with my plane and then go sharpen it up and then come back two plus two passes because do it again yeah otherwise it just tears out that you've a re- super sharp blade to actually slice the uh grain um and then and then it's blunt go go start
0: again yeah so, yeah. so my dining i've got a, a dining set up on my deck which i've had for 2 years and it was one of these what you buy from the, the local furniture chains it's one of these cheap i I'm, I think it's indonesian or you know some from somewhere around there so it's, I don't know what type of wood it is. It's quite, um, um some rainforest timber.
2: Mm. Yeah. It's quite oily, yeah.
0: but this thing, I don't know, like whoever made it, um, I would assume he's not a professional carpenter, but whoever made it, this thing is amazing. Full on sun all day and the things, all the mites are still perfect. And I look at that table and I think that is about as cheap and nasty as you can get, but that's still right. holding together in, mm. So is it does that just come down to the timber or the construction? Well it's that be a a
1: yeah.
3: I mean I don't having not seen it, but yeah it would have to
0: be a bit of because when that when it gets when it gets warm, you can actually see some of the oils coming out of the timber. Right. Okay. Like well, it's well, t- it's probably it's a ed-
2: lot week. of it.
1: <clears throat> it's like uh teak. Um I made a little teak shower stool. Um and plugged i screwed it together with stainless screws and then epoxy teak plugs in over the screw heads and i was expecting them just to expand and pop out they haven't moved and then the thing is still looks like it did the day i made it um and so you know that timber just will not absorb water and if you've got other timbers that are that oily that's i think really going to help um just keep the timber stable like if the water can't get in there to do the damage you're halfway there um and obviously if it's not in direct sunlight, if it's if it's somewhat sheltered, that's also helping.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: interesting. Interesting.
0: All right. Well, do you guys have any other any other bits that you want to talk about?
3: I do have a note just coming down to design mm. of things, because I mean I touched on it earlier, wood moves a lot more when it's outside. But because of that, I would say when it comes to designing your furniture or your outdoor piece you'd better off to not do things like solid tops because movement is a lot harder to contain. So just do planks, which is, yep. you know, floating, it can move around then, water can drip off it. Um, and also things like doing breadboard ends. If you do decide on a top, a solid top, breadboard ends are a great idea to keep it flat, but you're going to have to have, you know, 20 mil mm. oversized mortises for your tenons to move around in that it's just going to be really hard to keep those designs stable and steady and all of that sort of stuff so i i seen um oh god the name's just escaped me but someone did a big outdoor table on macramona yeah macromona uh, and he's done breadboard ends and yeah. used massive wide single piece slabs and it's just but his weather tender, does tender seem to proxy. be
0: generally cooler than it, potter yeah,
3: that's true. But yeah, he's all the way up in,
0: in Michigan. So that's, yeah, you know, right on the really border mild of Canada. Climate, yeah. yeah. So
3: but if yeah, we did I've, something like that here, no. you're, you're asking for nothing but trouble.
1: I was actually thinking about his table and then thinking the other night, how could I design something similar for our climate? And what I came up with was to have your planks with, like, say, five mil gaps between them as your top. You could still put a breadboard end on the end. And have a mortise a central mortise on each plank coming to a bread coming to a breadboard end and each of those could actually be fully glued in place i think um and then those boards would still do what they need to do still sh- yeah. um, because they've got gaps and the mortise is say in the center third of the plank um and so only it's only held in the center third still the outside edges of the boards each plank can still do what it needs to do and it's going to hold the top flat that way you can still do a cantilever off the base frame, if you needed to. Um, so that—that's the re- the way I was thinking about it.
3: Yeah, I think I'd have to draw it out. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think that's in right. essence, yeah, that would. Work. Yeah, as long as you got two halves, of it, yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking.
0: What's this? We've got a question there from Jason for you, Joey. Mm-hmm. Uh. Are
1: there commercially grown hardwoods in New Zealand that are straight-grained, cheap, and good for painted projects, kind of like poplar? Um,
0: hmm. I guess. I guess we got to define cheap because yeah, obviously okay, so pine is cheap, but pine is cheap.
1: To. But out, and so if you go to somewhere that specialises in good timber, not just uh, Miter Ten or uh, Bunnings or whatever. Yeah, nothing um, wrong with Bunnings. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just can't use their timber area, it's like too difficult. Um, So our our clear pine is pretty bloody good and it's cheap. If if you go to say BBS Timbers, go to their website, um, that's who I use all the time. Their pine, like I just picked picked up 185 by 19 dress boards, each one of them is 2.4 long and it's like $3 a meter or something. And it's clear, it's just so cheap and you can buy it by the bundle. so that's probably that's probably it i actually have recently talked to a lady close to me who has a tree farm she's just taken it over from her grandparents grandparents or something and they have actually got a forest of tasmanian blackwood and beech and oak and all sorts of stuff which i've it's the first time i've heard of in this country having a forest that's now mature and ready to fell and she wants me to cut a tree down and build something with her blackwood and um have it as a showpiece so she can sell the wood to other furniture makers. So mm-hmm. that is, uh, yeah. So there is a source, but not right now <laughs> for hardwoods. Uh-huh. But,
3: yeah. So is there anywhere in New Zealand that does small like kiln drying operations? So not, not huge commercial for uh, those sorts of people? Or
1: there is a company, else? um, pack or used to be Herman Pacific. Um, they have a kiln not far from me, just north of Auckland. They primarily kiln-dry cedar for joinery. Um, they've got just stacks and stacks of cedar, but they apparently will let you throw in a, a stack of wood into their yeah. kiln, um, as long as it's like relatively not too dense. The denser the timber, the longer it takes, and they can't the afford kiln, yeah. They can't have the time in the kiln, so yeah.
3: Yeah, it is hard to have a mixed species kiln, but. Mm. Yeah, just interesting to know. Yep. All
1: right. What about Kauri? What about carry? It's pretty much not available. You can get um, Indonesian carry, Fijian carry, um, which are a bit softer than our stuff. Although our stuff is still pretty soft. Um, it really, just to put the damper on things, carry is red pine. Um, it's that's all it is. It just happens to be massive trees that were dead straight and with no no limbs on it so you get perfect planks um if you wanted to buy carry i say go to nickel demolition in auckland but you're going to pay through the nose for it so
2: all
1: right uh, uh someone jason you just said bbs is six hours away they will ship to you you just give them a call tell them what you want they will pick it wrap it up ship it to you you have to
0: pretty big that's gonna be pretty big orders isn't
1: it no you could bring them up i've seen them just wrap up a single stick of wood and send it out they'll wrap oh, it up wow. in plastic put it on a truck yeah. yeah we, yeah, we cool. got
3: we got a similar Oz team over here will do that but they yeah. do it a 35 dollars cartridge if you're not collecting yeah i mean like you'll pay for delivery the, so.
1: right you pay for the cartridge, but it's if you're somewhere where you don't have a local good hardwood um, it's the only way to go and and the guys at BBS know what they're doing they're really good guys tell them I sent you and they'll give you a good deal <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first
0: folks yeah, <laughs> yeah that's interesting yeah I, I've I've never looked into this sort of buying it online mm. um, but I, I think I think I need to because as like as you say George it's $35 but really if you play your cards right and you and you you're, you're smart about it you get you know all your timber in that in that load and then right, it
3: can, totally yeah, i like, mean for me as a if i'm building something out of let's say Vicash, so something i don't usually stock on the shelf i'll call logs to him, i'll tell them what i require i mean i've got their catalog you know in multiple pages in my office here mm-hmm. and they will have it picked and ready for the next day and delivered to me on a flatbed yeah. if i need yeah. it but if the order is less than i think at six hundred dollars it's going to be $88 for the delivery right. and then also $35 for their guy to go and pick it. So right. the clients have to obviously cover the cost of that. So They'll for me, yeah. I will yeah. just go and get it if it's not yeah. a big order, yeah. but it is available. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, the, that's the point. Mm-hmm. Right. I think we've cracked on enough.
0: Yeah. So let's get on to who we're watching. Um, I'll go first for this one. Yep. So there's a guy by the name of Joe from a. I seem to make friends with a lot of people whose name started with a J. A guy by the name of Joe who's out in Arizona. He has a channel called Homesteadonomics. Um, It's more based around, um, as the name suggests, um, homesteading. But he does a lot of building and he's recently built a shipping container out of, built a workshop out of a shipping container, but it's not just like he put the shipping container down and said, now I'm going to fit it out. He actually cut the shipping container in half and gave away the one half and then fitted the other half out. And it was really interesting. So he's, he does a whole lot of homesteading around his house. So water management, because he's in the desert, um, as I say, built his workshop, he's at the moment, he's building a small cubby house for his daughter. Really interesting channel if you are, if you enjoy homesteading, I, I really do. Um, yeah, Homesteadonomics, definitely check it out. Tell, tell Joe I said hi. <laughs> uh, he won't give you a discount, but he might have <laughs> Jordan? Uh,
3: I've, I'll let's say two or three I've been watching. Um, the newest channel for me is The Minimalist Maker. Um, oh, yeah. She, the one I, I found her on was Making a Chair from Oak. Um, I think that's the title of it. And I was quite into it, I watched it i liked it Uh, on top of that which is not woodworking but it's a cool channel nonetheless is physics anonymous Hmm. um they're currently restoring a a metal wave and the guys just have good fun in doing it and and then i have lost my note of it but i'm sure i can see it somewhere it was another one um i've lost it but
0: <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Think about
3: that while Joey's giving. I'll, I'll find it while you go, Joe.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I haven't had time to watch a lot this week because it's just crazy here. But I have been watching Zach from ZH Fabrications. Um, he yeah, does so, her, her, Herbert Herber. Herber Holtz. Herbert yeah. yep. Holtz. Um, he does stuff that's so far out of my wheelhouse. Like I know what he's doing. He makes a lot of, like he works with steel a lot and a little bit of timber. So I, I can watch his videos and I know what he's doing. I know the process, but I have got no clue what he's doing. And I love that I, he, I can watch somebody make something and I've got no idea what's happening. And then there's a, a cool made thing at the end. And I guess that's a bit like when people watch my videos, I think, maybe, I'm not sure. Um, but it's interesting having that feeling of what the hell's going on. Oh, look, there's a cool thing. I like that
0: ah uh, so you're sort of saying like it's all the bits coming together make no sense and then yeah. bam at the end and i've
1: got no idea what he's doing welding bits of stuff I, I don't know the process i do not work with metal and um so watching someone who is creatively working with metal rather than just making boxes um is really interesting
0: so, <laughs> so some might argue that that's poor storytelling because he's not taking you along for the ride um, well, but i'm I agree with you. Jimmy Jimmy DeRessa does the same sort of, I used to find the same thing with him because there's right. yeah. very little storytelling. So he's just welding this and hammering this and, da, 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 and suddenly it's a thing. Sometimes I'll skip to the end of his video just to see what the heck he's making and then get yeah. back to where I was. Yeah, similar sort of vibe.
3: So I found the other guy I was watching. Oh yeah, uh, It's Timothy Wilmots. He's a bit of a veteran he's quite a large channel. But if you don't know him, he's. He's oh. got some really nice equipment. Um, he's a Felder and Festool kind of guy. Oh, is he a German fella? Yeah, German. I think it's German. That, Somewhere over yeah, there, anyway. He oh,
1: he's just made that cart, that lift-up cart. Yeah, thing. the
3: multifunction. I, I've seen like, like three, in three
1: seconds of it, and I was like, "What the hell's going on?"
3: <laughs> I do not have the patience to design something like that. All, like, all makers' workshop. Holy crap! Yeah, Jeez. but that was uh, that's the other one. So yep. Yeah, there awesome. is one more, which I've only just found, which I feel bad about, and that is a uh, Robin Lewis 2. It's Rob's
0: uh, vlog. I've been and watching it well. yeah. <laughs>
3: Didn't know you yeah. had that. I felt bad when I found it.
0: I all enjoy right. I enjoy doing the vlog stuff. It's a good uh, little side project while you're waiting for glue to dry. So, right.
3: yeah, it's good fun. And yeah. it's a good vlog too. I get into it. I've watched all Cheers. of them now.
0: Cool. Sure. Cheers. <laughs> Cool. All right. Um, Well, thanks, everyone. Um, I'm just seeing all the people in the chat. We had a a fair bit of chat going on tonight, which is great. Um, As I said, in the beginning, the chat is really for you guys in the chat to have a conversation while we talk. Uh, But as we go through, if stuff comes up, that's interesting, we will we will get to it as we did tonight. So thanks again for watching everyone. Obviously, thank you to Joey and Jordan. Yeah, and I guess we will talk to you guys next Thursday at the same time. This podcast will be available on SoundCloud and YouTube after this, so if you haven't managed to catch the whole thing, it will be there. But um, other than that, enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to you soon.
3: See you guys. Yeah, thank you. Bye.